powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 111 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk about songs where the title is in the first lyric or line. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Podomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Podomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Podomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Scott's Cooper, the leaf for choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Hulu, and Sunhuso bring their very own brand to the market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra, and each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And by Tobacco Aura USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Aura USA. Great things are happening here. And by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Drew Estate's Blackened Cigars M81 is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Alex James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Decilian's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 111. This is a mid-October edition of the Jukebox. Uh, Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage, and I'm joined in the other hemispheres by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. Very excited for the show today. Very, very excited, too. I know we tried to get this show off a couple of weeks ago, and uh, both of us got sick. So yeah, That's uh, right. So I got sick, and then you got sick, um, and uh, then we were both traveling the week after. So uh, 
Uh, good we got this in, and uh, everything was pretty much ready to go, um, you know, the other, for the show. So uh, I'm very excited. Uh, we'll talk about mm. how this show came about. I think it will be a very good um, a good background, just kind of how this is. This was inspired uh, by one of uh, our uh, yes. our fans, um, and not just a fan, but someone who's participated in the show as well. So I'm That's very right. excited about that. But uh, we got a ton of music news, but also some uh, travel news. So how was uh, how was the trip? Coop went to a Dolly World. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, I was over at Dollywood. Uh, my wife and I we took a long, extended uh, weekend uh, into the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Uh, so we were in uh, the Pigeon Forge area um, in Gatlinburg, which is a, a I've never really spent a lot of time in that area before, but uh, it's a it's a great area. Um, so, you know, we did go to Dollywood. We spent the day there. And even though I'm not a big thrill ride person, it's it's an absolute great experience to go to. You can enjoy so many things in the park um, without, um, you know, going on all the thrill rides. Uh, they do a beautiful job with um, Halloween. I mean, I was telling you before the show, they had about 12,000 mm. pumpkins in, in the park, like real pumpkins. And some of them were quite huge, even even some up to about 900 pounds that they get so these are and they just they decorate it um they decorate it really nice but um that's jose blanco calling me <laughs> so, uh, well, jose uh, jose come on uh but no it's um it's yeah it's beautiful you know a couple of things i didn't mention to you in the, in the in the green room is they have like replicas of like dolly's childhood homes and school in there it's really really nice and the other thing is like dolly's just she really gives back to the community a lot. Like, like this was really created for a lot of jobs and, um, you know, and, but the other thing that's really cool is there's a Eagle preserve in the park where they have bald Eagles, like, uh, oh. in, in this preserve. And I, I had never seen a bald Eagle live as far as I can remember. All right. Okay. So that was really cool to see the, uh, those birds and they're in this preserve and, the way they set up is these birds can't live in the wild for various reasons. Mm. Um, mm. So they put them into the preserve and they're well cared for and everything. And uh, it's, it's an amazing sight to see that. Um, I think I was also telling you in, it's a commercial area where Dollywood mm. is. It's, you know, it's very commercialized. Reminds me of like Myrtle beach. Uh, is one oh, place yep. that comes to mind, but we stayed up in a cabin up in the smoky mountains uh, about 10 miles away which we were in the woods. It's not to tell you. So, mm. uh, and it was great because, uh, at night I had my smoking porch. The weather was good. Um, warm, uh, dry, but then the snow came in, uh, the night we left, like before we left that night, the snow came in, uh, and I got about, uh, one to three inches in certain areas in the mountains. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, the, the other thing that was kind of interesting, um, when we were over at Dollywood, um, they had like Dave Garofalo had that New England Cigar Festival, and he brought in the, mm. uh, he brought in these micro wrestlers, like this micro wrestling thing. Oh, nice! And, and the world headquarters were like right by Dollywood. We actually got oh, a- nice. Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a very popular thing there. Um, and anyway, so we did other things. We went to caverns. We went to the bushes, baked mm. beans, uh, expo, which is actually a really cool thing. Some good restaurants we had. Uh, 
So uh, we did a lot of shopping. My wife definitely did a lot of shopping on this trip. Oh, and, live it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so she helped shop for some things for Dave, which we're going uh, uh, to send oh. to him. Yeah. So we got some. I think there'll be one thing Dave will want for the show for sure. So I don't know. Oh, but wow. I'll, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll surprise you with it. Uh, but we, I, I am positive you will like these things. So uh, positive. Yeah, we couldn't nice. leave Dollywood without taking care of Dave here. So I oh, mean, thank you. We, we couldn't. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so it was a great, great weekend over. I didn't get to see Dolly though, so we tried, but you know, she she was. Uh, yeah. Well, because <laughs> the last time, so I was in Pigeon Forge. The last time I was there was probably like 1995. And Dollywood opened in 86. Yes. So it was kind of newer. It wasn't like people knew of it. We were, I was on a camping trip with friends of mine. So we didn't go to Dollywood other than like go outside of it. We, like we didn't go into it. Um, and, but it, it, all that would have changed. Like Coop was talking about how he had a hard time getting to the Dolly Parton statue in Pigeon Forge. And like we went there and hung out next to the statue and did all that stuff. So. It's probably like so much more built up now than it was then. Um, Yeah. 30 years ago, almost. Yeah. And I'll tell you something to try. Like what happens is it built up and the traffic can't handle it. It's really congested. Like, especially when you get in the mountains, it's a different story. But it on those main roads, it's just congested. And it was a good weather weekend. So a lot of people came into Mm. town for this. Um, I'll say this Dollywood. I would put Dollywood as as good of an amusement park as I've gone to. Oh, uh, I would put it. I go there over Disney any day. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it really, really was great. Like I said, they, she she built that park really to create jobs, and yeah. it, it did that. Not only that, it created a lot of jobs in the whole area as well. Mm. You know, hotels, restaurants. Uh, there's tons oh, of yeah. there's tons of attractions, and there's roller coasters all over the place, Dave. And they build these roller coasters into the mountains, which I've never seen that done before. Ah, right. Oh, so it's a different, yeah. And I, we didn't go on any, that's not, roller coasters really aren't my thing. So, um, right. but, uh, but we went on, we went on a couple of, like we went on this lumberjack chairlift, which was fun. Like we had to literally like use rope and mm. pull ourselves up and that went up pretty high and that was fun. So did some stuff. We did like bumper cars and stuff like that. They have another thing that's really cool is there's an, there's like an antique car area they have now. They don't have a all oh, right, okay. Not a ton of antique cars, but it's got the feel of like a 1950s uh, town. So it has the diner, it has a drive-in mm. diner, it has a car dealership. It was really, it was just well laid out. It's a big park, is the last thing I'll say. So you can't. It's hard to do everything in one day. You're, you're probably in a weekend. We only spent one day there, uh, but it, we had a great time. So it's good. Um. Speaking of Dolly Party, that's going to head us into music news. We've got a ton of music news. Yeah. Um, I didn't put this in the notes, but we did, I did tell you about it. Uh, apparently, the big news that came out yesterday is that Dolly Parton uh, will be doing the halftime show of the Cowboys-Commanders game yes. uh, on Thanksgiving. Um, and... You know, Dave, we were messaging on this because I said, this seems like it's a new thing. Yeah. Uh, which apparently the Jonas Brothers did this last year, but I have no memory of that. But I don't either because what happened is we went to eat dinner like around halftime of that game. So we kind of turned the TV and it was a cowboy game and we turned it off. So I didn't realize that. But 
this is, I think it's the Fox game. And I think, you know, Fox always likes to blend in the entertainment, I think. Mm. So I think now this is probably going to be something that's going to be interesting. And the fact that they picked Dolly, I think, first of all, it's a great pick. And it's right around the time the album will be coming out. So I think it's a yes, good. Yes, it is. It's, I'm hoping we, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's kind of a mix of classic and um oh i'm sure it will be and new stuff and maybe there'll be a guest appearance that's kind of what i think we'll be have to keep our eyes on for you never know like i was talking i was messaging to coop and i'm like is this a thing now and because yeah like i've never heard of it um but the only thing i can think of coop is uh it's to try because you know usually because thanksgiving and football games usually rate really high yeah but maybe they're like, I think it could be seeing the now this would have been in the works for a while, but you see how people like Taylor Swift and stuff bring in so many casual fans that wouldn't yeah. watch otherwise. Like maybe like, well, maybe people tune in just for Dolly. Yeah. And I, I you know, I've been everyone's at home. It's yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it, it does tend to bring the non football fans in. When that halftime show is on, I, I, I so maybe I, this will yeah. be a thing now. Maybe they'll I, have a lot more big names now. Maybe it's a thing. It, it is, and this is a great name to have in there. Um, she's oh, doing yeah. it in Texas, uh, which oh, is where I'm the game it. is. Um, yeah. apparently the Lions, I think, are doing something too, and I'm trying to find who. I don't know if they've named the act, but apparently the Lions game is going to have it as well. Mm. I mean, I remember marching bands. Where yes, Detroit would have the marching band in at halftime. I remember like half times where you go eat more food or whatever, like yeah. But but yeah, but no, I'll I'll I'm all over it. Yeah, I'm no, I'm all, I am that. too. Um, and then there's Christmas Day games this year, so I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna do the same thing for the Christmas Day games. Maybe, maybe yeah. we'll see how maybe see how this one goes. I guess. But but I, I think guess, it's but... a I think it's a smart move by everyone here. Mm -hmm. Um and. If well, you, yeah, it, I think it. I think it's a good thing. I think again, this is this is whenever you get other people like interested. Uh, in the event, and sometimes they tune in and watch the rest of the game. I've found too with Super Bowl, so we'll see what happens. Sometimes, I mean, for us Dolly fans out there, this is the this is sort of like the Super Bowl halftime show we never got that she turned down. Yeah, because remember, I think her husband was ill, and so she turned down a Super Bowl halftime. Yes, um, I remember. It was always like, oh, I wonder what that would have been. And so this is sort of like that. You kind of get a halftime show. So that'll be exciting. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, man, tons of tons of news. Uh, I'm gonna I'm revamping the reviews and Instagram. I've had a bit of a break for a little bit, catching up on stuff. But I'll be putting some pairings on Instagram, trying to get more into that and got some reviews coming so check out the site if you haven't been there in a little bit yeah you've been um, pretty busy Cigar you jukebox. have been pretty busy lately yes, uh but check out done... Cigar jukebox on instagram as well absolutely yeah good content on there for sure uh which is great so i'm looking forward to that as well no it'll be good i uh i have um, to ask one question though and i don't yes. you need to save it for the review save Ooh. it for the review that's fine but you smoked the Barbie cigar, apparently. The, the Rick. Ha <laughs> ha! The Rick! Malibu Rick! Malibu Rick, yeah. So I'm curious, uh, are you going to have a review on that, or is it just something? Now, I I actually ordered some more to have on the show. Oh. So. 
We'll, we'll hold it. We'll hold it for that then. Yeah, we'll hold it we'll for hold a little it. bit. Yeah. But if you could tell by me ordering more. It, yeah, he's going to smoke it. It performed yeah. a bit better than the Cigabot cigar. Yeah, it's a, it's a Pravada cigar. Yep. Uh, it's a Pravada, which I found. This is not talking about the Malibu Rick, but I found with their cigars, they're hit and miss for me, Coop. Like, they are too, some yeah. Some are like, oh, that's good. And some are like, now I know why they got the cigar. Like, nobody wanted it. It was a bad cigar. <laughs> I, I've had a couple of those Pravada cigars that are, are actually pretty good. Um, I had one of those. Yeah. I had the Pepsi Watch cigar, which I thought was yeah. an excellent cigar. Uh, and then the one that Christian Aroa did. Again, I thought it was an excellent cigar, but I've had some rural lemons from them, too. Some so. of them have been. Yeah. yeah I mean, so it's it, 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 you're so, right. It's hit and miss. It's hit and miss. But I ordered it because of the band, because of, I thought, oh, I'll pair it with the Barbie song. Right. And so I did that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna have it on the show. So, so we'll hold, I will we'll, hold, I will we'll hold, hold off on those thoughts with that one. Yep. So, uh, but if you, I mean, if you're a Provider fan anyway, I'm sure you've smoked it anyway. Yep. Yep. I mean, but. yep. Heck, you know, by the way, did you see that that um, Espinosa is doing uh, the anatomy of a bat, uh, which this looks like a pretty cool Ooh. thing that they're doing, where you're gonna get a box and it's gonna have each of the tobaccos that are in the Murcielago blend. All right. Uh, then you're gonna get to smoke a cigar, a Murcielago without the wrapper. Then you get a regular oh. Murcielago, and then you get a Habano, a special Habano version, and a special Connecticut wrap version. So, uh, oh, wow. and apparently Hector's doing a live stream with S. Eric Espinoza on October thirtieth, where they're gonna break down the whole thing. So, uh, I think it's a pretty cool concept they're doing. That's gonna be through Provada. You can order that through Provada if you're interested. Ah, yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, yep. Um, but then I got a lot of Kaga concerts coming up. Coop, I got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got a lot of next week, and and then in November I got Sir Paul McCartney is coming to Australia. So you have tickets to all this. You have tickets. Paul McCartney. Um, it. I'm just telling you, it's it's one of the top concerts I've ever gone to. Um, don't like, and and he's gonna do Hey Jude, and that's probably gonna be the highlight of the night when he does Hey Jude. Um, it's like I, I I'm not gonna say anything else if you don't know how he does Hey Jude live. So I'm just gonna keep it quiet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had I saw Paul back in 2005, so it was a while ago. Nice. Yeah. Nah, I'm and interested it, in a bit of wing stuff, a bit of Beatles stuff. It should be a good time. Yeah, he'll do his drummer's amazing. He, if he brings Abe mm. Gabriel Jr., his big mm. guy on the drums, uh, you'll see why Ringo's not there. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And the chicks. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, and the chicks next week. Can't wait for that. Uh, it's gonna be great. So I'll have you know some thoughts on those. And finally, Coop, I will be going in February to see the Taylor Swift Eras Tour in Sydney. I got tickets, but you don't need tickets because the movie's out, Coop. Yes, the movie's out. Um. I probably will wait for the movie to come on to the streaming services, but because I just don't go to a lot yeah, of movies. Yeah, I probably but, yeah. will as well. Yeah. My daughter does not want to see it because she doesn't want to get spoiled for the concert. I understand. I can understand that. But the good thing so is we'll probably, probably be watch it after. Yeah, you you could get it afterwards and or stream it or something like that. Yeah, so you could probably get a DVD or something like that. So I think I can understand that. Now, there's a lot of interesting things I want to say about this movie. So I don't know what the weekend is. I think it was like 90. I don't know. I can't remember. So it made thirty nine million in the first day, which is so, great. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. So to put it in perspective, Barbie, which Coop mentioned before, is the biggest movie of the year, clocking in at one point five 
billion. And that's still in the theater. It's been in the theater for 87 days. Yeah. Which is crazy. When when it's you get, still making money. When you have a when you have a, a movie these days, 90 days into the theater, that's a big oh, it's deal. Insane. Yeah. Um, I mean it wasn't a big deal like when we were growing up, like E. T. and stuff would be in the theater for like, you know, a year, but it's a big deal now. Um that made seventy million in on day one. Uh, and much like Barbie, this is going to be in the theater forever because everybody's going to want to see it. People are going to want to see it multiple times. Like it's a concert movie, so you can't like spoil it. Really, I mean, no. Um, and they could hold it back from going to streaming, right? So they could yeah. do a few runs with this, which I've yeah. seen. I remember they did that with U 2s Rattle and Hum, and yeah, Prince did Sign of the Times. They do a couple of runs with that sometimes, so they may. They may not be tempted to put it right away onto the streaming or DVD. Yeah. So I think it'll probably make close to like seven hundred million. I think it's so like a at big Marvel movie. As of today, it was at one twenty three. Yeah, I think it'll make. Oh, it might even make a billion. It might be close. It'll be close to a billion, probably. Yeah, if it's one twenty three, uh, which is similar to Barbie, I think. And Barbie made 1.5. And this has legs as well. Like, people went and saw Barbie, like, forever. And then it's the same thing with this movie. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, Coop, much like how Taylor's doing everything, there's no distributor. Wow. Unlike So what she did is she made agreements directly with movie theaters. Yeah. So that means... There's no distributor taking money off the like 700 million that she's going to make. Wow. It is going to her. Yeah, that's um, big. Which is crazy. So, and this is unheard of. This idea that th- that no one is distributing it, that she's making all these deals directly. So she made a deal with AMC directly. And, in the states and then they I mean they might have like it's playing here she might have a like a regional distributor, like an international distributor, but domestically, no distributor. It it she makes a, a deal with the AMC. It makes a lot of sense because Louie, your distribute your job to distribute is to get that into the theaters, right? Yeah. She does, yeah. She doesn't need to do that. Right? You need to do that. You don't need to do that. So like um now some people just don't want to be in that business. Uh I get it, but Taylor's not at least right now she's not in the filmmaking business either. So she no. may do but I could you know I have always said that for major concert tours, they should they should do the film. I mean, they do it for they do it to direct the video and the streaming. But I think they they sh- I think when you go see a concert film in a theater, which I don't know how many you have, it it I gotta say it is a very good experience. Um, uh, sound and everything, yeah. Funny you say that, Coop, because the other person that's doing this is Beyonce with her Renaissance tour. Interesting. We'll be releasing a movie yeah. as well. Now she did that with Homecoming, but that went direct to streaming on Disney Plus, and it was amazing. Uh, I watched that, um, and so, and that'll be another very popular concert that'll be hard to get a ticket for that tour. I think it's coming here, um, and so that'll be good too. I mean, it's just good that these really high-profile concerts that are hard to get are going in theaters. Production value looks great. Um, there's a review on. The YouTube site, Chris Stuckman, his YouTube site does a review of the movie. And he talks a little bit about this whole distribution thing. Um, 
So yeah, Taylor is making headlines everywhere. Yeah, uh, uh, that's uh, that's good. Yeah, so uh, definitely, yeah, she's gonna be uh, very active. Uh, you know, and she's still finding time to go to football games. So hey, well, apparently her uh, her and Travis went to New York for the weekend because the Chiefs had the week off, so they were around New oh. York over, over the weekend. Yeah. Uh well, good work. Yeah. Uh, I uh. My daughter has already highlighted to me that we have to make bracelets before we go to the Taylor Swift show because they trade bracelets there. So we got to do that. So I'll be making like hundreds of bracelets. Apparently. Um, <laughs> um, that's the thing. Make a friendship bracelet. And you put a title of the song on it. And then when you go to the show, you trade with other Taylor fans and you get bracelets. Yeah, there so that's you go. What we're going to do. But yeah, lots of music dudes. Um, so yeah, so keep an eye on that movie. I reckon that'll make a like a you know like a boatload of money. I I can imagine, yeah. Um, I don't know what it's like to produce those. Usually, what they do is they they shoot multiple days and they just sort of put together like the best set. Yeah, I so I've I don't seen... know where it's from or what dates, but usually that's what they do. I usually don't like that. Um. Unless it's really well done, I've seen some of it like not work, and other times it worked. Yeah. When Inexcess did Live Baby Live, which was a uh, direct to VHS, I I believe mm. they did they did a single night of it. Um, right. Uh, I think Queen Live at Wembley they did multiple nights. I think they. they I mean, but it was all at Wembley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Beyonce's Homecoming was the two nights at Coachella. Uh, and the way they did that was cool because she wore like two different outfits and they'd like they would like hard cut like so in a song they would hard cut from her one day to like her singing the next verse from another day. It was crazy. See, and it, it, it can be it can work and it can work. I've seen it work with it. It's just you gotta have really good production to do that. I, I oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I think the cool thing is gonna be usually a lot of them have the behind the scenes stuff. So you'll see like all the sets. Um, probably them setting up the sets, maybe Taylor rehearsing, maybe her doing like some like costume changes. You know, yeah. I think with Beyonce's one, they saw you saw them rehearsing with all the dancers and the band. So you get you get if you're a big fan, you get these really cool like behind the scenes concert things. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, as I, well. I agree. Yeah. Um, and of course, Coop, they have a collectible cup at the movie theater, so you know. The Swifty fans would be after that. You know, I remember when going back to the seventies, you go to a movie and they always had like souvenirs from for the movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. that stopped for a long time. Yeah, I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, so you'll get so yeah. anyway. Um, that's Taylor Swift. Yep. Uh so yeah, tons of music news. Any cigar news, Coop? It's been Pretty slow. Big. It's been very slow, right? Because what's happening is a lot of the PCA releases have made it to, to market. And usually uh, this time of the year, we start to see fall and winter releases. But a lot of companies are holding back until the trade show, which is now in March. Mm. So it has been slow. But there's a couple of items I do have. Um, the first one is uh, for if you're in the uh, England or the UK, uh, you want to be alerted that um, the British Prime Minister, Rishi, Rishi Sunak, is proposing a generational smoking ban. Almost exactly like New Zealand did. I uh, saw that. Yeah, where, where basically anyone born after January first, two thousand nine, will never be able to buy a tobacco product again. Like, sorry. Uh, 
Yeah, so I don't know if how that I don't know if that I think they'll get some resistance for that in the UK, to be honest with you. But we'll see because it's coming from the prime minister. It's still got to go through parliament and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I read your article and I think what what I was thinking of is I think you'll see a lot of these in nations that have public health care. Yep. Because and governments are like, we are spending a ton of money on, you know, cigarette related illnesses mainly. And we we can't afford it. Yeah. So this is what I see coming. Now, now, surgeon told me today that in Canada, it's being talked about. They haven't yeah. put anything in action yet, but he would not be surprised if they try to push this through in Canada. Uh, just because they tend to like jump like when. Like when plain packaging happened in Australia, yeah. they they jumped on it, right? So he thinks it will it will happen. U.S. is going to be very hard unless they do it. It'll at a be state very level. hard. It's going to be very hard to do it at a state level. Um, it do maybe a couple yeah. of states will get it, but it's going to be much harder in the U.S. Uh, but I, yeah, yeah. But I think just living here, I think you can't underestimate that public health component because I know, like, for for because like heart disease and stuff, I know in Australia they try and put li- they they keep trying to put limits on. Um, you know, like what food you can buy at schools and like to try and limit obesity because of um the health effects for that that the state pay that the country pays for. And I know like here they have like really clear, really big nutritional guides on all the products to try to cut down on and try and cut down. There's always try people trying to introduce laws to like limit fast food and stuff. And so there's a lot of like you know, if the government sees it as a big spender for health, they're going to go after it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could. I That's a good point you make. Very good point. Now, the problem here, too, is they tax the hell out of it. So it's like so. It's, so are they going to give up that revenue? I mean, that's the flip side of it as well. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. And I think that's something that they tends to happen in the U.S., too. Like where there's a lot of dependency on tax revenue, and 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 when these things start, mm. when when I think these things will fail in the U.S. is that that will be the argument, like yeah, like why would we give up the tax revenue here? Uh, oh yeah, I mean putting other yeah. things in place. So yeah, I mean, so I still think they'll try for age twenty five in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I still think like Bear and I predict they're still gonna, but the PCA has said they're gonna um oppose any type of generational smoking ban and they've also said they're going to oppose any type of raising the age higher they they okay. Lynn loop said that on our show um when he was on with bear and i so uh that's good news at least so uh and they're they've been very concerned about these generational bans but they're also playing a much bigger role in internet in the international market they've hired a uh they have a full-time resource now generate de- dedicated to the international market so where was right, he okay. with australia but you know yeah <laughs> Right. I missed that one. But, yep. you know. Yep. Yep. But I could see them really fighting Europe. It's a bigger market than, yep. you know, Australia, New Zealand or something. Yep. Yep. Um, Got one other any thing. Any other cigar news going yeah, on? Yeah. One, one other thing. Um, Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust made some headlines this week. Um, They are going to be rebranding the original Sobra Mesa line and they're going to call it Sobra Mesa Solita. Um, okay. And the reason they're doing that is Saka has. Sober Mesa has like become not just a line but a brand. So he's got Sober Mesa and he's got Sober Mesa Brulee, and yeah. I guess everyone was calling it the old Sober Mesa. And he's like, uh, oh, right. so he wanted to give it an identity. So it's going to be rebranded as Sober Mesa Solita. Blend stays okay. the same, 
Um, he is the other thing that's happening is he is streamlining the amount of Vitolas to four, which is not really a surprise. He's been talking about doing that. Okay. Uh, and the names are going to change on some of these cigars. So he has the Sober Mesa Robusto Largo is now going to be just Sober Mesa Solito Robusto. Okay. And then the Sober Mesa El Americano is going to be Sober Mesa Solito Toro, which I think people are a little upset about that one. I think people like that El Americano name. Uh, he's renaming the uh, Elegante and Cedros to Sober Mesa Solito Churchill and uh, Cedros. Yeah. Uh, Sober Mesa Sort Churchill is just going to be Sober Mesa Solito Sort Churchill. That's a good cigar. Yep. All the box counts are going from 25 to 13, with the exception of the two oh. which is going to be a 14 count box. Okay. So I think that's going to help drive box sales. But yeah. the, the other bad news is he's actually discontinuing my favorite size. Uh, the Cervantes Fino, which is the Corona Gorda size, six and a quarter by 46, which I think is the best size of that. Ooh, uh, gone. Being discontinued, and it basically says it's the sales aren't there. So, yeah. uh, so I, I hope maybe this is where a case where I hope some store picks it up and like, say, mm. hey, I want that. Oh, yeah. Give it to the store. Maybe he'll, but I don't know if Steve will do that, but like a shop exclusive or something. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good reason for a shop exclusive. Where it's not a huge amount of demand, but you know you can you can you can make some store happy and you can do a run of it once a year or something like that, you know. So maybe it just maybe from a national standpoint, it doesn't pay to have a. He's got a lot of skews now, soccer. So he, yeah, and he just can't have like twelve no. anymore in the line. So, no, 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 no. So uh, we expect to see this. I I would expect to see these probably launched at PCA next year. He said this won't happen until early next year. So I think okay. there'll be a full launch at PCA. Right. We got a lot of soccer news because that was my developing palettes review of the week, and it was a good one. Yeah, the uh, the we're Papa... talking too much soccer. What's going on? Uh, you know he loves the uh, publicity, right? Uh, well, yeah. this is the now now this is a cigar I've avoided. So, and I'll explain why. So they have the Mi Carita Black Papa Saka. Uh huh. Was the review and like everybody loved it, loved it. Um, now I've avoided this cigar coupe. Because I think early, not this size, but I think early I was kind of hearing the word that like, oh, you know, it's just a me Karita in a different size. You know, if you like those, have those. No, and I didn't really. It, it's different. It is very different. Yeah. But now, but now I'm hearing all this. So I, I've avoided the, I haven't had the black at all. So, so it sounds great though. So, so I got to look into this. So. Here's my thing on the black. I still think it's the third best. Like the red and the blue are better, right? Mm. The black was first released to JR, and I thought it was okay. But then he released it nationally, and with a little age on those cigars, it's probably gonna make the, it's probably gonna make the the pop uh, the Saka Khan. I'm talking about Saka Khan now. Yeah, Saka Khan will probably make the coupe list this year at the end of the year. It's not Ooh. gonna be it's not gonna be a high one, but it's it's got enough to get on the list, right? But it's, again, I would not say it's better than the the red or the blue. But it's not right. But this size is that that that, that other one's like a seven by fifty. It's a big size. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is a Corona Gorda size. Mm. Um, and it's the reaction at the trade show from everyone who smoked this, include and I'll say I had I was in that boat as well. Is that it was better than the like most people felt it was better than the Saka Khan. So mm. based on that, um, you know, I think it has a chance like to win the half full consensus again. All um, right, okay. Yeah. But the developing palettes guys uh were did the, the review. They did a review they were last week. Yep. Hugely positive. 
Yeah, it's by the way, it's five and five and five eighths by forty eighths is the size. Mm. Um, and uh, they liked it. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to. June really liked it, if I remember correctly. June really liked it. Aaron gave it a good. Seth was the Seth was the um was but Seth didn't hate it. No. Um, you know the the comment that 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 Seth made though, he says I don't know why, but it made me think of the dirty rack when I was smoking it. Mm, yeah, it yeah, yeah. And he's right. It's this is that Saka likes that. He's really good with that size, right? That's what people are saying. They they're thinking like that. It's uh, Dunbar and Trust Dirty Rat is sort of what they were yeah. saying on the review, yeah. And, and everyone feels like the size, like these were blended to the size, so it's not just taking, just like, like it was tweaked and stuff, yeah. But the, Aaron, Aaron was really, Aaron um, was uh, saying he would come back to this when he's looking for Yeah, that's, a, that's, uh, that's high yeah. phrase there. Yeah, yeah. so Sokka, you know, Sokka saw the review. Did you see? And he come. He did like a war yes. piece on it. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. I don't understand the review, but these guys are tough. <laughs> so another update today. Um, yeah. Kind of quick. So Halfwheel put their review out today. Yes. Uh, as we recorded that too, I think. And he commented yeah. about yeah. They gave it a ninety-one, and, and and he was complaining it should have been two points higher. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but it will. It, I think this. I think black. Me, Karita Black will be the favorite for the consensus at the end of the year. Okay. And from how I understand how the consensus works is they do the line. They don't do the Vitola. So oh, yes. Okay. I think it, if they do it, it will encompass both Saka Khan and Papa Saka. And the okay. Corona Gorda. So it will be interesting. But yeah, they, they like this cigar. It was a, it was a, they were very high on it. Um, well, I, I'm going to buy seven. What do you think of that, Saka? Or you can send me some, Steve. Yeah, what, the show he, before? He, normally, he, he normally starts sending cigars out to the media this time of the year. So we should get some. But yeah, so I, I'll have some. I, I will send you if I think I have a couple of Saka cons, I can send you those. Uh, I'll send you one as well just to see you can have something to gauge it by. It's definitely different than the like I said, I okay. think the black, if you had to rate the, the blue, red and black. Now there's a green. Now there's a green one, too. Which yeah, is, I haven't had that. I haven't had that one either. That's an event one right now. But I would say right now, um, I would put blue first, red second, and black third. But black is not right. horrible. Like I said, but it's it's not as good as those other. Two. I gotta try this pop sack because people love it. I think my favorite, uh, Mikarita is the firecracker still. I think. Well, yeah, I I like the Gorditas in both those those four by forty eights yeah. he's done in the blue and the red. Um, yeah. I've actually not had the actual firecracker size of. So, uh, but yeah, the firecracker became basically the tricky trucker line. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's what I. It's heard, just yeah. that that Dave had the size, the, the three and a half by fifty. So, so yeah. Speaking of cigars, coop. Yep. This this is what I'm smoking. I'll try and say it properly. Yep. It's the Roma Craft. It's a Quinquagenario. Quinquagenario. Yep, you got it. There. This Quinquagenario, interesting band. Um, he's got the navy blue. With a very sort of like uh, New Englandy sort of vibe going on here, it's got like a pinstripe on it. I haven't had this cigar. This is uh, I got this. Um, my at Cigar Hustler sent me this with a recent order, so I was saving it for the show. So I have no idea what this cigar is like at all. I'll give you my feedback when you give so your feedback on it. it. But you know the deal is that's a that's the cigar he did with Ernesto. 
Yes, so yes, yes. So it's produced in the Dominican Republic and it has much more higher concentration of Dominican tobacco. Um, so I'm gonna this, I'm not gonna say anything else until you smoke it and we'll get some feedback on that. There's a lot of hype around this cigar before it came out. Like yeah. I remember there was a big push, a lot of hype around it, so I'm excited to try it. Yeah, there definitely was because obviously him doing the project with Ernesto and this was mm. commemorating his 50th birthday. I think there's going to be other quinquagenarios. Like I think Mike Rosales' 50th birthday is coming up. I think they're going to do one for his as well. Um, mm. Don't know where it's going to be made or anything, uh, but this is a limited run for sure from what I understand. it's I think it's okay. one and done. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. I believe it's a one and done. Yeah, so you want to get those if you're going to get them. Get on to it. All right, Coop, what, what you got? So I went with a theme tonight, which we're doing uh, – uh, lyrics and first, first lyrics and songs. Um, songs that you it's our title based on the first lyric. So I went with a installment of a first cigar in a series, which is the Trinidad Espiritu Number no. One. Um, and this is uh, so there's a number two that came out. Now there's a number three that's coming out. Uh, this is one that is done with AJ Fernandez, and it's more of a uh, it's it's got a uh more of a brand of, of Latin American tobaccos. It has a um it has a Mexican wrapper um uh, on it. So Bear's a big fan of this cigar, by the way. Uh Bear okay. I think this was in his top I want to say it was in his top three one year. Um I've smoked this before. Not as high on it, but a very good cigar still. I think it was better than the Brazil the Brazilian was the number two. And then they're okay. doing another Mexican theme for number three. But the, this was definitely better than the Brazilian. Uh, and it had a very good first impression. I remember with this cigar, which was the other reason why I picked it. So nice. uh, I uh, I like I like kind of how they've been resurrecting Trinidad. It's a great brand. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna this has got some age on it too. I think it's about four years old. This one. Nice. So I want to give a shout out to Surgeon. Of course, got the V cut. Did the oh, V cool. cut on yeah. the cigar, of course. Surgeon, uh, he is the uh, he is a V cut. Uh, he likes the V cut. Likes his V cuts. Yep. He likes his Lanceros. He likes his V cuts. Uh, oh, that's uh, um. Now, okay, so we're doing okay. Now, this was a topic suggested by Matt from How About That Cigar, Matt Ty. Yep, he texted me this idea. Great uh, idea. Yep. And it was the title and the first lyric. Now, I put first lyric or line because my wife and I had a debate because my wife does a music quiz show called the Music Eye Quiz. Check it out. Yeah, very good, by the way. I do tune into it. Yep. Uh, download it. Yep. But she uh she's doing this show. She did a show recently on like Guess the Song by the Drum Beat, which was pretty cool. Yep, yep. Um But we had a debate of is the first lyric mean the first line or does it mean the first word? And we yeah. started talking about, well, how do you define a lyric? Do you define a lyric as because I would define lyric as, oh, I look at the lyrics, and if I was to say, Oh, it's in the first lyric. I would picture that as the first line is what I would think of. I am. In However, this, I went, I went with the same boat. And when I get into some of mine, you'll, you'll see why. And then she said, Oh, but it has to be the first lyric and lyrics are the words. So it has to be the first word. And so we sort of talked about that. And so that's why I said, all right, well, we'll just put first lyric or line. Yep. Um, I actually thought it was gonna be a lot harder to find songs than it was. It's surprising. How many are out there, to be honest? I remember when I went to you with the idea, you were a little hesitant. I'm like, well, yeah. It's like, I was like, and then you gave it and you goes, oh, I came up with a whole bunch. And I'm like. Oh, then I, yeah, then I texted so, Coop like an hour later and I'm like, yeah. I have 50. Yeah, yeah, you're 50. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, it There was some challenges with it, too. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Yes. I went oh, no, the, I mean. I went through the dilemma, yeah. like, like what you and your wife. Do I do the first word or do I do the first mm. verse? Or do I do the first phrase or sentence? Yes. I went with the first phrase or sentence is what I did. Because you'll see was... there's a couple that, that mm. are, like, it makes sense. It, it would fall into this. And then some of them, you're like, oh, I swear that's the first word they say and then you call up the song and you're like oh it's not yeah. um so so it was, it was fun i love doing this is fun um, yeah and it was very surprising when i listened to some of the words and some some uh musicians coop like have a ton of them and some hardly do it at all yep yep which was i found very interesting very um, yeah yeah i agree i noticed that too Ooh, so Let's 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 make this happen, Coop. Yeah. Let's kick this off. Yeah, we each picked ten songs. Um, so I'm pretty excited about this. Go ahead, let's kick kick us off here, Coop. All right, mine are in alphabetical oh. order today. Is by the song oh, title. Love you know? it. So there's no uh, yeah, there's, but I just put them in alphabetical order. So nice. I'm starting off with a disco track. Okay. Oh, yep. And nice. uh, the the track I picked is a very popular one hit wonder disco track. It's called "Ain't No Stopping oh, Us Now." Great song by by uh, G Mc, McFadden and Whitehead, who are G McFadden and John Whitehead. Um, if you saw this movie Boogie Nights, um, they they use this song as kind of to change the decade from '79 to '80, and that's kind of always vision right. this. This was kind of like towards the end of that '70s disco in there. Um, and, and the first line of this song is the chorus. Ain't no stopping us now. So there's no debate on this one, right? Yes. Uh, you may hear a remix version that doesn't have that in there. But the mm. pure version, you know, the, the, the track that was cut was Ain't No Stopping Us Now. So it was, you know, and here's the thing. What I said, there were, there were three approaches I took to this, okay? The first yes. one is the, the title, the, the, this, it's, it, the title of the song is in the first verse and it sets the tone of the song. Yes. Yep. The second one is it's an early chorus. And the third one is just something cool that they throw in for whatever cool. reason. Like, this yeah. is early chorus they do. Uh, so get you right into the song right now. Uh, it's, it was also Larry Holmes' theme song for coming into oh, the room. right. It was, yeah, he would use this song. Again, he was champion in the late 70s, early 80s. So. Um, but what's interesting about there's an interesting story behind this song. Um, uh, this was a uh, like many people thought this was a song about the African-American community, like mm -hmm. kind of rising. And it really wasn't. It was actually written because uh, McFadden and Whitehead were having a royalties issue with Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, who they created that whole sound of Philadelphia and they were the record label. So All they right. did that. And originally this song was going to go to the OJs, but somehow they got to they got to do this song. Like they wrote this song and it was gonna go to the OJs and they wanted to do it, so they went and did it. All um, right, I love this song. It's a great track. Like I said, they these guys have uh, these guys. Like I said, they really didn't do anything else. But uh, like I said, I always liked this song because it it, it was that bridge into the '80s and it was sort mm. of the end of the disco. Kind of ironic that this song would. There's no stopping us now, but the disco era stopped. Yeah, uh, it was Stop a couple it. years later. So yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, Coop filed for him with having a disco track on there, so I gotta have a Dolly track. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Jolene is the obvious one. We've talked about that song a lot. Um, that's in the first lyric. So I'm like, well, let's find another one. And it's just exceedingly difficult. She doesn't do it a whole lot. 
But Coop, in a little-known film, coming hot off the heels of the success of 9 to 5 in 1980, is a film called Rhinestone. Yes. In 1984. With, 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 uh, with yes. Uh, with Sly Stallone. Yep. Great movie, by the way. I love that movie. The movie is Dolly Parton is a country singer at like a bar. And she makes a bet with the manager that she could turn anyone into a country star. Like, give me anybody. I could turn me into a country star. The manager's like, cool. If you do that, then you're out of your contract. You can do whatever you want. If you lose, then you're like, you know, you got to sign another like. Yep. 10-year contract or something. And she's like, sure. And he's like, I get to pick the person. I'm picking that taxi driver, Sylvester Stallone. Yep. And comedy ensues, Coop. Uh, so this is actually the track I chose is Stay Out of My Bedroom, which is a duet with Di Parton and Sylvester Stallone. Nice. And, and the and, title's and, in the first lyric, and, yeah. Yeah, it's the first lyric. It's it's a straightforward. It's the title is the first lyric. Yeah. It's not it's not a um it's not necessary. I I think this one is more of a set the tone. It's not really mm. the chorus, but it sets the tone of the song. So they uh the movie didn't do that well. But Dolly Parton out of out of that soundtrack, she got two top ten country hits off of that soundtrack. So soundtrack highly regarded. Yeah, it, you know, they were all everyone was going for that. Like urban cowboy thing around that yes. time. Yes. Yep. Uh, and uh, it actually uh, it's actually a pretty decent uh movie. It's it's based on um, it's based on actually the story of Rhinestone Cowboy. Oh. Even though I don't think that song is on the soundtrack. No. Uh, but that's what was the, the basis of it. Yeah. Uh, and and they do a few like there's a couple there's a few duets that they do on there. I think there's three. Yes. Three duets that they do together in that. So you get to hear Sly sing a bit of a uh, bit of country. Yeah, you know? Sly can Sly Sly can sing. Um, he did it. He made it happen. He he actually sings the theme song for a movie called Paradise Alley with uh, Armand Desante, and he sings the closing credits song. Oh, nice! Uh, it's called Too Close to Paradise. He actually he's an acquired taste as far as the vocalist goes. I, I would say he's probably better off in a duet with Dolly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, Sly. Yep. Yeah, this was this one was a good one, and I would say this is a little more of a deeper cut from that movie too. Oh yeah, yeah. What do you got here, Coop? Ooh. Um, all right. Um. So I went with a uh, duet for the next one. Uh, and the uh, artist is the artists are Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. Mm. Uh, Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire fame, and Phil Collins of Genesis fame. They get together and they do a song called "Easy Lover." Yes. Uh, Easy Lover. Um, well, this this was an interesting story. Had it, and it basically again, uh, e it's the chorus kind of at the beginning with this one as well. Yeah. You know, it's no. Easy Lover. She'll get a hold on you. Believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely an early chorus thing. And really, what what happened here was that Phil Collins back in the early '80s was being sought after as a producer. A lot of people wanted Phil Collins to produce. Uh, and he had, I know he produced Eric Clapton that year. Um. And Philip Bailey was doing a solo album called Chinese Wall, and he wanted Phil Collins to be uh, on as a part of that, um, you know, that production. And then he they they decided to do a song together, and they wrote this song "Easy Lover," which became a monster hit. Um, mm. Little known fact: like Ric Flair, the wrestler, used this theme song for a short amount of time. Oh, good on you! 
he normally uses the uh, 2001 Odyssey thing, but he the the Easy Lover theme with Ric Flair was pretty cool as he would come into the ring with this. So, uh, but I love this song, and it really became more of a Phil Collins song in the end because Philip Belly really doesn't perform it a lot. But Phil mm. Collins has kept this song for like you know, almost forty years in his concerts and greatest hits, and uh, but I think they're great together in this. Um, the music video is hysterical because it's 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 basically a music video about making a music video. So it, it's it's pretty, and they use uh they use some what do you call it um outtakes where they're kind of singing the lyrics in real time as opposed to you know. All right. Yeah, kind of lipping it, which is most videos. Though. But yeah, I, I picked Easy Lover. I think this is a a great, like I said, it's a core, it's a, it's it's the chorus that gets you right into the song with that. Mm. Love it. I have a similar one. I have Semisonic with Closing Time. Okay. Came out in 98. Love the song when it came out. It's the first lyric of the song. Um, and then it acts as sort of the like the bridge, really. Uh, you know, between you know the verses and the chorus. Um, yeah, it's kind of not the chorus. It's kind of like no. it, it. It opens up the verses in this one. Yes. Yeah. So it's a little different. This. Uh, this is. I didn't. I don't have any like that. But this is a good one. Love. Love this track. Uh, I think it's aged well. It's not that dated. Like we think of like some. I put Sublime or Smash Mouth songs from the nineties can feel quite dated now. Yeah. Uh, it still sounds fresh. It's sort of that. Near the end of the '90s, you're kind of moving away from grunge, getting more into like sort of like this indie rock sort of vibe. Yeah, uh, which is where the song sort of sits. Uh, but yeah, a bit of bit of closing time. Yeah, ironic that closing time is the first, you know, kind of the first That's lyric right. here. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool with that. Good, good track, good track with that one. This was a good one. Yeah, I I said I didn't have any that fell into that. Like, it's really like every lyric. It's not really. Uh, because really the chorus is mm. I know who I want to take me home. That's really the chorus. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really oh, yeah, that's course, a good yeah. one. This was a good example of one. All right, Coop, what you got? All right. Uh, oh. I am now. Uh, the song is Gold Dust Woman and it's Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Mm, uh, got some Mac. So this one really isn't a chorus. Uh, mm. it, the, the song opens up Rock On Gold Dust Woman, right? And yeah. then you don't hear a reference to Gold Dust Woman until the end of the song. Like when at the, towards the end of the song, you'll hear kind of some haunting verses of where Gold Dust Woman's in there. But so it's it's kind of like a bookend. Um, and I think, like I said, so I, I kind of think it, it sets the tone for this song more than anything. And this is, Dave, this is such a great track. I don't think people mm. realize what a great track this is. This was the B-side that don't stop. And really what it is, it's a haunting, it's a haunting folk song. Um, So it's kind of like, it started as a folk song and then they wanted this haunting element. Apparently that's what Fleetwood Mac was gunning for with this song is they wanted a haunting, a haunting folk song. Mm. And this is the closing track of an album. Uh, which, you know, I don't know if we, you know, this is a, a great closing track, by the way. Uh, great percussion. You know, you hear that, that, that kind of those mining sounds or something in there. Mm. Uh, I love this track. Uh, and this is Steve, this is quintessential Stevie Nicks, who this is really all her, where you kind of think she's the gold dust woman. 
Um, but again, it's not the chorus. It's it's rock on gold dust woman, and you don't really see gold. You don't hear gold dust woman till the very end again, mm. the last verse. So nice. Big, love a bit of love a bit of Mac. Yeah. Um, like I said, it, it's it's a when you get into this song, um, and it, this Stevie wrote this song too. So this was a this is really right. a Stevie Nick song through and through. But you have a little bit of the Lindsey Buckingham background vocals, which are great in this track. I think you can hear his, his vocals, mm. and he can pull off the haunting sound really well. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a good track, really good track. Speaking of good tracks, we got my next song is my wedding song ah. that I danced yeah. at my wedding. It is Etta James at last. Yeah, just an amazing track. I think, see, for me, I think the the most, the biggest hook of the song is that first lyric. Like, the way she draws it out is yes. a lot different than, I mean, maybe at the end she does the same, but it's a lot different than the use of At Last, like, throughout the song. It's that really, like, she goes to a couple different places in her vocal range, really draws it out, has great delivery of that opening lyric and it really like draws you into the song um, yeah yeah um this was another interesting one because she says it at the beginning of the song yep. the second verse she says it but she doesn't yep. do it in the third verse yeah which i, I still kind of like that because um in a way she didn't force the lyrics aren't aren't and she didn't write it it was written the way this was written yeah it wasn't a forced lyric for that third verse here but no, it's, if she it's, does it in that beginning, it sets the whole tone of this song. The, I mean, the 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 song is bookended really well with like how she delivers the lyrics on both ends. Um, but yeah, no, I really like that. I really like that opening delivery. Yeah, no, that's a great track. I mean, that's a good one. That's a good pick as well. Uh, but no doubt, the Etta James one is 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 really what this. Mm. That's there's, I, there's been other versions, of, but but I would say that is mm. the best one. For sure. Mm. Well, you, you have a very interesting song next. Yeah, a band we haven't talked about on no. Fox. Um, the Fine Young Cannibals. Yes. And Good Thing. Uh, the Fine Young Cannibals, like they really had a short run as, as a band. They had they they. I remember when their first album came out. Um. They were, they were kind of. A lot of people would just say, um, you know, they they, were, they came from England. They they kind of built a little yes. bit of a following. The second album, like, went monster. It was. It, I remember it was right around when I graduated college, and they they had two number ones with them. They had the "She Drives Me Crazy" and "Good Thing," mm. and then the band uh, completely disintegrated. They tried to get back together once, uh. Uh, but "Good Thing" is a great song. Okay. They describe it as retro soul. I describe it as mm. modern doo-wop. To me, it was like a modern doo-wop song. Um, yeah. And the thing is, though, this is one where this is my first one where the uh, well, same with Fleetwood Mac. I had a Fleetwood. So this is another one where the the uh, it's it's you're the good thing in my life. That's how this song starts out. I think this was totally qualified for. Just like gold, rock on gold dust woman. I think yes. this totally qualifies for first one in there. Um, and I just like I said, I 
I think it's a really cool song. It's one of those songs. Like, I'm not a huge Fine on Cannibals song, uh, uh, mm. band, but this song, it's one of those songs I remember. You know, if I travel into another city and I'm like driving down, like I remember I was driving in Los Angeles and I put this song on, and it's just kind of a cool song to drive drive through a city mm. with, like or mm. Vegas, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it's just. Um, but yeah, the Fine Young Cannibals, uh, essentially, uh, yeah, they, they, they disappeared, uh, in that, um, but good things also use a lot in this song. They use it, uh, it's in the chorus, uh, uh, several times after that, but they start off the song with the good thing in my life. Uh, so I think it's a combination. It sets the tone and, uh, you know, uh, for that song is what I would say. It's not an early, they don't use it as the early chorus, but they set the tone with it kind of uh, like Goldust Woman. No, but like you said, I mean, it was a band with a very short lifespan, wasn't it? It was very sort of. I mean, when when they had two no- gone. when they had the two number one hits, you know, I was like, I didn't like "She Drives Me Crazy" at all. That was a terrible no. song, right? But this <laughs> well, song well, really, yeah. uh, and it was like they have, they, you know, if you listen to some of this this album they did, the uh, it's from the album uh, "The Raw and the Cooked." It's not a bad album actually, um, and uh, I, like I said, I thought. Um, their, their lead vocalist uh, is uh, Roland Gift. He is really good mm-hmm. on this. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if this band would have made it maybe much longer either. They just no. Say, but you you get another album surely. I mean another hit. But. They they came back. They came back like they tried to do a comeback. Um, but you know they uh, you know they. I remember they were um, they they got. Yeah, I remember uh, she drives me crazy. Got all the nominations. Like for awards, yeah, like Grant, but good thing was me the better song. So, mm. uh, it, it uh, um, they they actually got a they actually got a, a Grammy nomination for the album too, for mm. which I didn't think it deserved it. But do you know who do you know who beat out uh, do you know who beat it out that year? When when was it? Nineteen ninety. Do you know who beat out Fine Young Cannibals for album of the year in nineteen ninety? Ninety. Yeah. Album of the year. Yeah. Because this one, okay, so th- I'll tell you who was up against, and then I'll tell you who won. Traveling Wilburys, Full Moon Fever. They win? No, wait till I tell you. I'll t- the last one will oh. tell you who won. Traveling Wilburys was nominated. They don't win. Full Moon Fever, Tom Petty doesn't win. Ooh, Roaring the Cook, Fever. which I think was probably the fourth the fourth best of the of the albums, didn't win. Yeah. End of the Innocence by Don Henley didn't win. Who wins? Ooh. Bonnie Raitt, Nick of Time. <laughs> Oh, did we have talk about this before? Yes, that's why I brought it up. Like with her recent Grammy, it's like, what is Bonnie? What's going on? Yeah, I, I mean, oh, to be honest fever. with you, I was, I remember watching those Grammys. I'm like, well, anyone's gonna win with Bonnie Wright, right? I mean, and and I didn't think the Fine Young Cannibals would win it. I thought, I thought they were gonna give it to Henley that year, uh, and they ended up giving it to the Bonnie Wright. And and Full I said she must fever. have someone. She must have some like she must have I don't she must have dirt on on the whole committee. She has to. Yeah, yeah. Now Coop. Oh, I got never mind. Someone's, <laughs> someone's dropping something off. So I just gotta hold on a second. Yep. So Bonnie Raitt uh, robs robs everyone, but I don't uh, think the Fine Young Cannibals deserved it either that year. No, no. Well, no. I would have given it personally. I would have picked the Wilburys, but um, Don Henley, I thought had it. I thought Don Henley had it locked up that year. I didn't. That was a great album too. So Bonnie Raitt. Man. Yeah. Um. 
So we are back. Dojo's going to love this next pick. Love it. Yes. Uh, it is the clash with London Calling. Yeah, this is a great pick, by the way. Good one, yeah. It's, you have to have it. I mean, it's iconic. It's sort of, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, it is kind of the chorus. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind just, of the chorus is what I would say, yeah. It's throughout the whole song, yeah. Throughout the whole song. Sets the tone as well. Uh, yeah, London Calling. Great track. Iconic track. This yeah. record blew me away when I first heard it, Coop, I have to say. It, it is, yeah. I mean, it was... I heard this record blew me away. You know, we haven't done a show like of tracks that are worthy of being the title track of an album. And that yeah. may be something we look at. This was totally worthy of being the title track of that album. Oh, yeah. Title I, track. I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... So yeah, this one, uh, great track. Dojo. I mean, we 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 did the we did the album archaeology show with Dojo. Yes. Uh, nineteen seventy nine. Double uh, album. Yeah. And just just the way, uh, again, you got to give um, the, the the what do you call it? Uh, this is Joe Strummer. Joe uh, Strummer, who's gonna yep. who's gonna come up a little later with me? Uh, he will. Yep. Um, Mick Jones and Topper and Paul Simonson. They they wrote this. You got to give it to them. This was a well written song. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, great song. Yep. And fit the fit fit the challenge. I yep. love your next song though. Love it. Yeah, this was I don't know if this was an easy one to pick. Um, but I went with it because I think it's such an influential track. Uh we're going back to yeah. the um we're going back to the um disc kind of towards the late part of the disco era. Uh the the song is Good Times by Chic. Um, and this, this one is, um, the chorus is really the beginning of the song. All right. So it starts out good times. These are such good times. So, I mean, I think it's an early chorus mm -hmm. that's in the song. And then the verses are kind of melded in between those, uh, those tracks. Right. Um, so, you know, and I think they, uh, I think it's really well done, but really, I think this song is so influential because of the baseline by Bernard Edwards. Uh, mm. it, 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 it's that baseline is considered iconic. It's considered the foundation of this of this track, and it it's a reason why this track was so sampled uh, over the years. So many, yeah. uh, so many artists have sampled this track. You know, obviously uh, the big one was Rapper's Delight. Um, mm. So uh, by run uh, by uh, Sugar uh, Hill Gang, the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, thank you. Uh, age you get me. So I mean, and that was there was a whole dispute with that for a while, and you know, uh, but yeah, I, 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 uh, I again, I, I just like, I like this. It's, it's an early, it's best way is this is an early chorus they're using of it, uh, and they just they they use this, uh, they and at the end the same thing. They kind of it's a great hook at the end of this as well. So, uh, again, I, I think it's a, a very influential track. This was, um, and that so mm. I, that's why, and it was an easy pit. It was like. This one's too easy, but it's so influential that that's why I picked it. Yeah. Right. Hey, easy's fine, man. Yeah. I got a couple easy ones myself. No, oh, it's a great song. I love that song. Yeah. Um, I found this next artist does this a lot. Yeah. He loves it. Uh, and that's Bob Marley. Uh, you can pick a number of tracks from Bob Marley. I picked uh, "Could You Be Loved" is a track I picked. Yep. Um, but he loves doing it. Yep. Loves it. Exodus, same thing. 
Um, 400 Years is that song? Same thing. Buffalo Soldier, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He loves it. And in this one, it really wasn't... It was kind of, again, I think it set the tone of the song a little more than the chorus. Because oh, yeah. the chorus is a little more, there's a little more with the chorus mm-hmm. uh, when you get into the song. Um, the chorus is kind of, it's not really the chorus. Is I would say, it's, well, it is. It's kind of the middle of the song. Yeah. It, it is. And then at the end, again, and then, but it's not really a full chorus. It's used different ways in this song is what I'll say. Yeah, no, it's, uh, but when I started listening to Bob, I'm like, man. Yeah, Bob. I, kick, I didn't kick, hear that when he said this. that. Yeah. Uh, I think "No Woman No Cry" as well is like that. Um, so he really likes it. It's like get it out of the way. Let's do it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So no, it's, I I like the song. I mean, I love Bob Marley. So gotta have Bob Marley on there yeah. somewhere. Yep. The good, you, good pick. Oh, you got it. See, I was thinking of this band as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, go ahead. I I went with a um, I don't want to say this was a deep cut, but it's not one mm. of the. It, it was a it was a song that they released. It wasn't as big as some of the other songs that they did, but it actually is. I would say, in my top three, of of, of yeah. from this band, and it's the Supremes, uh, and the song is uh, in and out of love. Um, mm. it's kind of like I said. I think it kind of falls into that Bob Marley. It's not really a chorus. Uh, the first line is keep falling in and out of love. Uh, mm. and but the song is in and out of love. But they use keep falling yeah. in and out of love. Keep falling in. Um and I love this track and it this was one of the last tracks that Florence Ballard was with the Supremes with. Mm. It's almost got this little Hawaiian vibe to it. Uh mm. it's like I could see the I could see the Supremes like performing this on Waikiki Beach or something like that. Um it, it, it's a great track. Uh, it's it's. I think it really gets overshadowed by that portfolio and Diana's solo stuff. But if you ask me, if I was building the Supremes and the Diana Ross Mount Rushmore, um, I mean for sure I'd have Reflections on there, and this one would be. I, reflections is still my favorite one, but this that's one's my really, favorite. Yeah, this one's really up there for me, as well. Um, mm. so so uh. I mean, I won't go through my whole Mount Rushmore. We may do that on the <laughs> show, but but uh, yeah. So that that um, but yeah, that that was it. And um, yep. So that was the Supremes. Uh, no, I love it. I was thinking of Supremes is doing some Supremes as well. They didn't make the list just because I fit other stuff on, but I'm glad you had it because I thought you'd have the Supremes. Yeah, um, it it sounded a little tricky to do with the Supremes. Uh, mm. uh, like like because I thought about where did our love go, right? That yeah. was one where I was like, this one's right on the fence um, as far as if it's a first verse or not. Right. Because um, it's baby, baby. Mm. And it's, uh, don't leave me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't really think it, it qualified at that. Um, I stayed in reggae, Coop. You did. And I went with a person that was with Bob Marley originally and then went on his own. Yeah. And that's Peter Tosh. So the Peter Tosh song I, I chose was Legalize It. Bit of Peter Tosh, bit of a marijuana song. Gotta love it. Yeah, um, it was. And I think it's interesting. It sets the tone early. And yeah. then it kind of comes back later uh, in the song. Uh, oh, yeah. And then it comes back at the end again. Yeah. Yeah. It Yeah. And I don't know. Again, I don't know if I could really say. 
At least the way at the beginning, I wouldn't say it's a um a chorus, but it is used. No, to, I don't know that that song's a bit. It loose. sets the tone right away. Legalize it. Don't criticize it. You know, it, it's going right. Yeah. Uh and, yeah, like like I said, song gets a bit loose with the structure. Some call it marijuana. Some call oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. song, man. Yeah. Never mind. Got to legalize it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great track. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like yeah, just kicking it off. Right there, it's got he's got some weird sort of like vocal effect on um, yeah as well, some like reverb thing going on in that song as well. Yeah, and that was also the album title, if I'm not mistaken. Either. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Yep, we're get, we're getting we're getting back back to it. Yep. So, um, Joe Strummer, we mentioned we were mentioning with the Clash. I picked the Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros tune mm. um so the mescaleros were a backing band for joe strummer the song yep. is called johnny appleseed mm. uh, i would say this is to some extent a um a deeper cut but yep. it was the theme song for a show which was a really interesting show on hbo and it didn't really make it it was called john from cincinnati uh, right so, okay um and it's a really like I said, it, this is a complete this is nothing like the clash I don't know how you would no. describe this track uh, where, where the genre it's got this, uh, you know, it's got some interesting bass lines and interesting guitar work. Mm. Um, and the opening theme is basically Lord, there goes Johnny Appleseed. And that's it. You don't hear Johnny. Like you don't hear the words Johnny Appleseed and uh, for the rest of the song. Uh, but it sets the tone for this song uh, because he's kind of uh, he's kind of building analogies up to uh, to um to like Johnny Apple, the whole thing about Johnny Appleseed there. Uh, it, it, it is a, it is, it really shows to my opinion, what a great, um, what a great, um, songwriter Joe mm. Strummer was. I mean, there's a part where he goes in, he goes, Lord, there goes John uh, Martin Luther King. Right. Uh, mm. notice how the door closes and the chimes of freedom ring. He, he just uses this really well. And I think he kind of also paints Martin Luther King as kind of a Johnny Appleseed character. Mm, right. Johnny Appleseed was the guy who planted the trees, and Martin mm, mm, King mm. kind of planted things too. If you look at that, so uh, um, I, I guess it's the only part you'll hear Johnny Appleseed is in that first line. Uh, Lord, there goes Johnny Appleseed. I thought it qualified here. This is a case where I did think it's not the first words, but it certainly qualifies, sets the tone for the whole song here. Yeah, and and Joe Strummer has a couple albums out and stuff, so it's good just to you know, I have some of his stuff out there. It, yeah, he really, like, you know, unfortunately he passed away. And when he passed away, the whole Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros went away. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they actually got three albums out there. Stuff is, it's different is what I would just say uh, mm -hmm. for sure. But um, like I said, this is a deeper track. I, I think it's on Spotify. I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. Uh, this is one I, I should have double checked it, but I'm pretty sure he's on there. Um, but yeah, Joe Strummer is a big, a big, uh, a big loss for us. He, he died mm. way too young. He died at fifty, mm. but you know, he, you know, yeah, would have been you know in his seventies, and I think he still would have been uh still would be putting stuff out. I mean, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, the next band is reggae influence, but yep. Yep. I believe Haitian and uh, East Coast, and that's the Fugees with Ready or Not. Yeah. Um that that album was huge, Fugees record. They never really got to those heights again. Because uh, then Lauren Hill is like, hey, I'm too good for you. And <laughs> she jumps out like she bursts that title out 
at the beginning of the the song and really cuts through everything and just like jumps out there and then she jumps out and makes uh miseducation of lauren hill which is one of the best records of the 90s yep. um and you know and then her and then similar to like we we're talking about before before then her career just sort of like bottoms out uh and she's never heard from again and, and now recently so she's been doing stuff recently guest starring on some stuff she's actually touring australia with coffee uh oh, doing the miseducation of lauren hill record that's cool it's very cool unfortunately Fuji- she's not gonna be here but yeah, the Fugees were very though. similar to um, Flying a Camel. They had two albums, yeah. and then that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, really... I think the band just sort of imploded. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this song you picked, Dave, uh, uh, Ready or Not, is is a very well-written song. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's you, you could pick apart the lyrics of this song, and uh, it really uh, it really is a good job. I think the Fugees did try to get back together a couple of times. But, I think uh, they did. Um, I mean, Not as far as album, of, I think they've done some live stuff. I mean, I, I just remember this album. The standout of the album is Lauren Hill. Like you hear this album and you're like, man, she is good. Yeah. Uh, and so she comes out of this. I mean, she, I mean, undoubtedly she comes out with the best career, but even if it was short lived. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it was. You know, Lauren Hill was really starting to work with other artists around this time. Like I know she was working mm-hmm. with Mary J. Blige, Whitney Houston, and Aretha yeah. Franklin. She was doing, and then this education on Lauren Hill was was happening in parallel after this album. Oh, so good. Uh, now your next song, I was gonna choose, but I'm like, I gotta leave that for Coop. Or you know, what kind of what kind of co-host am I if I take this song? Yeah, terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the band's Tears for Fears, and the song is Shout. That is. An amazing pick, by the way. I love it. I, I had to pick it. Thanks for leaving that one for me. Um, you know, this is it, it's a chorus, it's a theme, it's a mantra. Mm. It's a you know, it's a mantra and, and it becomes like it builds up in your head with this. Um oh. yeah, it, it is uh it was probably their second biggest hit. Some will argue it was their biggest hit. It was from mm. Songs on the Big Chair. You know, and I think it was a perfect start to the song, by the way, because it gets you into that mantra. The thing about this song that's really interesting is it was a it was the opening track to Songs on the Big Chair. Mm-hmm. But it's a closing mm-hmm. track for most of their concerts. Interesting. And and this is one of those songs that works both ways. I think it works really well on the album. I think it fits in with the album perfectly as a, as a great lead track. But I think it as a concert closer. It's it doesn't get better than that. Um, That's great. Yeah, uh, there's a few remix versions of it that you won't hear. Shout, shout, let it all out. Um, but again, the pure version, it's shout, shout, let it all out. Yeah. Oh, it. Uh, I would say, in looking at the songs we've had, other than maybe London Calling, it's the most iconic example of this. I would say, like, you play anyone who grew up during that time, you play those, just the first, the first couple synth lines, and yeah. they know that, that they, you don't even need to know the title of the song. You know that shout is coming up next. Like, it's so iconic. Yeah. You know, I, a there's, good, oh. there's a great documentary. It's it's out there called Scenes from the Big Chair, and it tells the story of Tears for Fears in, like, this time. Uh, and they were on the tour for uh, 
supporting this album and they talked about how this song came about and Roland Orzabal was messing around with stuff and he played it for one of the other band members, Ian Stanley. And he's like, well, what do you think? And Ian Stanley goes, my God, he goes, you got a worldwide hit here. You don't realize oh, what you're yeah. sitting on here. And, and Roland really didn't realize what he was sitting on with that song. And um, it was the second single released in the U.S. Um, I think it's the third single in the U.K. Um, and it actually went number one for four weeks. But I still think Everybody Wants to Rule the World was the more successful of the song. That's a great song. Uh, yeah. This song, I remember rocking it up the charts and kind of rocking it down quick because it got so much airplay. I think people got tired mm. of it. But uh, but it is nonetheless, I think, you know, it is a great, great track here. And like I said, I thought it was a quintessential example of, of how this is used. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think using it where he does in writing it is just brilliant yeah. because it's interesting because the song, the beginning of the song is so iconic, but it's really the beginning of the song. They're just sort of messing around with synth lines. Like it's not yeah. really a structure. Yeah. But, and then shout just like when he says that it just kicks the whole song in and it's just so good. And then he puts some lyrics in there, like in the verses, which really kind of, so when he comes back to the chorus, it makes a lot. It's more powerful even as it Such goes a on. Powerful chorus. Yeah. So good. It, it is. Uh, it's you know this is just how good that band was. Um, and uh, again, you know, I look at that album. It never got the Grammy love. It should have. <sighs> uh, it was a great. It's just. It's an iconic album in my book. Songs in a big chair. Oh, great pick, Coop. Love it. Great pick. Um. I I I forced this one in here. <laughs> know, it took me it it took me a long time to find. So there's a lot of songs. Like I said, I talked to Coop when he told me this idea, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I'm gonna look into that tonight. And I like played songs, and I think in an hour I had like 50 songs. But then right. I was like, I was like, we're talking about Taylor Swift. I'm going to the concert. Surely, Coop. Surely she has a song. She has so many songs. She must have one that fits this. Yep. It took me a very long time to find it. Yeah, you um, had to go because it it's later in our portfolio, actually. This one later too. in the portfolio. I went with Taylor Swift, Betty. Great track. Uh, off of folklore. Great track. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a theme that she explores a lot on the record, which is she's subverting the love gone wrong song. So for a long time, Taylor Swift, as you know, and she still does. It's sort of the open joke is that she's always writing songs about when her relationships break down. Yeah. Um, but what she does on this album a lot is she sort of gender bends that or turns it on its head. So in Exile, it's love gone wrong, but it's gone wrong because um, the guy is a bit toxic and you kind of get that through that duet structure, which is really interesting. Uh, in this one, she sort of gender bends it. Uh, Beyonce's done this as well before, and she's like a male speaker, um, which is sort of subverting and sort of changing around her own structure a little bit, which is interesting. Um, I mean, there might be deeper cuts before this that did that. I was kind of going with songs that most people would have heard of. But man, it was it took a long time to find it. Yeah, this was this was a real interesting one because I don't know if we talked about this when we were doing the Taylor Swift show. Um, but this, you know, a lot of controversy if this was a song about a lesbian relationship or not. Now, tell there us was, this, yes. Yeah, she's saying it wasn't. She's saying it wasn't. Um, And, uh, you know, it, it's it's there's something saying it was maybe coming from the male point of view in that. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the interesting thing about it is that it sort of subverts her structure. Yeah. Which is interesting because she's it's a structure she's really well known for. And either way, I mean, it's pretty open in the song. I think it's pretty open ended. <clears throat> but either way, whether it's about a same sex relationship or she's taking on the male perspective, it's totally subverting. Yeah. What what they what it, people would expect a Taylor Swift track to be. So which is interesting either way. Well, the end of that song, towards the end of that song, she mentions James. Yeah. However, from what I read about this when I was doing the show prep, James was a woman still. So James was apparently a woman still, is from what I understand. Well, that's what that's what makes the song so great, Coop. You don't know. Yeah, you, you just don't know. Uh, I, I agree. Which is I, like, which is you know, but I but also like she does not like. Now the other thing too is a lot of songs, and I appreciate that you've avoided this, and I tried to avoid it. Is that a lot of songs where you do get the first lyric is the title is the title is like a person's name. Yeah, but this is so you get that a lot. But this is a story, and this is yeah. very much told as a story, and the central character is Betty. Mm. Yeah, good song. Yeah, this is uh, a good pick. God, I had I had to I had to wedge that one in there. Like that yeah. took some time. Um. All right. Okay. Your next one here, Coop. Yeah, um, funny thing is, when this exercise came up, this was the first song that came to mind for me, believe it or really? not. Really? Not Shout. It was, Shout was probably the second one, but this was the first one. And it was, uh, uh, because we talked about Brian Adams on a previous show. This is Brian Adams' is Somebody. Um, and it's really the opening verse, I've been looking for somebody. And this kind of sets the tone, and, and it's in the mm. chorus. Uh, and... I think it really sets the whole tone of this song. I think this is a really good song by Brian Adams. Um, mm. I think it's one that kind of uh, it kind of it's off that Reckless album, but this was probably yeah. I say the maybe behind Summer. Maybe it's like the fourth most popular on that. You know, Summer '69, mm. Heaven, yes. and Run to You are bigger. This is kind of the fourth one, but I think it's a I think it's a, a fantastic song. Um, and uh, to me, uh, it, like I said it's. It really, it really sets the tone, um, because Brian Adams for a long time, um, he was always looking for love. I mean, it was like he really mm. couldn't find a relationship, and he finally, I think, he ended up marrying, marrying or, or having children with his his admin assistant years later. But the All thing, right. is, you, know, you know, he couldn't find that that uh, you know, uh, uh one so yeah i went with that one um Ooh. now i made a little mistake with this one right uh oh it's it's not i've been looking for somebody it's i've been looking for someone so i did i did make a mess, mess Ooh. Oh, oh, i left it in there so uh so yeah, it wasn't it was it did this one doesn't violate the rules before anyone gets in there yeah i did make a mistake with that one because i've always i i guess i got but the funny is this was the first song that came to mind so uh yeah. I'm, well i'm keeping it in there so yeah, well, hey, I mean, interestingly enough, my song, this is the first one that came to mind for me as well. And that oh, this is looks great. Madonna this, I had with this Holiday. One I had this one. I had this one in there, too. Madonna with Holiday. I love Madonna. This is off of her often uh, forgotten debut record. Yeah. A lot of people remember the songs, but they think all the songs are on Like a Virgin, but you got the Madonna self-titled debut record. Um, I think, 
I, I got this song, and I think in doing these notes, I wrote down, I listened to Madonna for like an hour doing the show notes. Just kept listening to Madonna. So <clears throat> we've talked about Madonna before. We had a Madonna show. We talked about how we both love Madonna. We talked about how Madonna is the queen of opening tracks. So a lot of her opening tracks are like number one hits off the record. So yeah. a lot of her opening tracks are like the big singles off the record. Um, but but she doesn't do a lot of this she doesn't do a lot of the first lyric being the title um but on this album she and this album there's more of it there's more of it like lucky Um, stars in there like that uh everybody those songs do do that but But, you look at like papa don't preach and stuff like she kind of gets away from it um ray of light like she, like a lot of her bigger songs don't have that, um. But it was, it was great. Loved it. Love Madonna. I put in my notes here. I should listen to Madonna every day. Loved it. And I went through yeah. a whole Madonna like thing when I was writing this out. Yeah, to me, Holiday was the was the breakthrough song for her. Um. Uh, yeah, came- I was always I was talking to my wife about this. We're like, what's your first Madonna song that you really loved? And she had. Holiday as well. I was borderline. Oh, borderline. I was gonna say borderline. Was I fine. I love borderline. Borderline got the most airplay, and then what they did is they went back and we, they started like some of the other singles started getting more airplay. So Lucky Star and Holiday started getting the airplay after Borderline. Borderline was the was the Borderline was the one that made her onto mainstream media. Even though I think like I said, yeah. Holiday was released beforehand and it was the first yeah. big hit. Actually, the first what? song released off this album was Everybody. And I think mm. I've talked about that. It's a very dance sense type song. Oh, yeah. But no, I mean, and this just brought me back to when I was loving Madonna and Cindy Lauper and loving those records. Yep. So no, yeah. Cindy Lauper just turned 70. Cindy Lauper's incredible. I didn't think she was that old. Yeah. She just turned 70. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Let's see here. Your last one, I adore. Oh, this is such a great track. Uh, I, I didn't even think of it at all. So. I'm glad you have it on there. So this artist is an artist who does a lot of good work with first this first concept. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's the band is a loving spoonful, but it's really John Sebastian, who is the writer of this. And yeah, he's done. He's done. And the song I picked was uh, Summer in the City, um, oh. which it, it, like if you go to um, some of John Sebastian's other songs, like Welcome Back and Do You Believe in Magic? He does that as well. But this one. To me, that hot town summer in the city, it grabs you. Uh, yes. It grabs you, and then it's used in the chorus later on. Um, the, there's a real interesting story with this song. Is So John Sebastian would have a much younger brother than him. He was like a 14-year-old. And his name was Dave Sebastian. And Dave started writing this song. Um, and uh, basically, uh, he liked some of the like Dave was actually writing some really good stuff for the chorus of this song. Um, and he, and he liked, uh, that whole part of, uh, um, at night, it's a different world. Go out and find mm. it. Well, that was all Dave Sebastian. And then John said it, this song needed kind of, kind of needed a lead in. So he, he borrowed that summer in the city line and he, and he created the lyric for hot town summer in the city. Mm. And it's such a, it's such a New York song too, is all I can say. It's just, it, mm. it just is is you you listen to you, you listen to this song and you think of a hundred degree day in in, in the streets of Manhattan with this song. 
Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, they used it in Die Hard with a Vengeance too, uh, as well. This, mm. um, it, it's just John Sebastian is an absolute genius. By the way, I, I uh, I've just really admired his work over the years. He's and this song too for the Love and Spoonful was much more of a rock edge song. They, they're more of a folky type of band. Uh, but this was much mm. more of a rock edge they had with this song. What it was kind of out of the out of the um out of their element, so to speak. Nice, great track. I didn't think of it for this. It's an amazing track, and I'm yeah. glad you had it. Yep, great track. Now, now this one I can't wait one. to talk about. I can't wait to talk about this one. <laughs> like this is gonna be great. This one I did not pick because of the lead singer. No, I and didn't. that's REM Shiny Happy People. Oh, this was such a great pick. Fun song, but and I remember when this song came out, and I'm like, Michael Stipe, eh, you're all right. But Kate Pearson from the B-52s in this track is just amazing. And I love it. She's so good. She just elevates the track. She's what I love about the track. Also, little trivia. R.E.M. went on Sesame Street and did a version of the song called I, Furry Happy Monsters. I, I remember watching that with my daughter. <laughs> and they had a I Muppet version of Kate my... Pearson. Yeah, and I think when it was on, when my I think the song was already out a couple of years. It may have been a rerun of Sesame Street when it was on. Uh, I remember watching it. And I'm like, this is cool. Like, this was so cool. Yeah, yeah. and it was, they had a Muppet of Kate Pearson. Um, yeah. I think she steals the song, Coop. I really do. I think I, I love her in the song. I just love her. It, it's a masterpiece. This song. I love her in the song. This, this, the, you, this song. Um, the problem is, and you made a comment about Stipe here, which was interesting. I'll let you kind of make that comment, and then I'll comment back on that. Oh uh, well, see, Stipe doesn't. I mean, and Stipe doesn't like this song. I, right? I can, yep. Stipe doesn't like it. He thinks it's goes against like a lot of the other music. See, because. This is sort of it was on what it was it automatic for the people or what was this was this it, was uh this was out of time, out of time yeah, so this is when like Stipe gets starts getting really serious about himself, and he made the song which I love, he he hates it he hates the song, but everyone loves Kate in the song and I think Michael Stipe needs to get over himself, yeah but about, you know about the so- song. I think what was happening here um, with this is R.E.M. had had gone from the underground band. Yes. Um, and they they this was the album that uh, out of time made them a mainstream band. And I, I honestly think that Stipe uh, that Stipe struggled with that. Um, he thinks it's too poppy. He thinks it's too poppy. Um, it's a very poppy video. But this they had, you know, they had songs like, you know, uh, Losing My Religion was was the song on there. Yes. Um, but Shiny Happy People, uh that video, it's kind of corny. Yeah, it's very right? corny, they're doing this great. goofy dance, right? Um it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, and it's but it works, right? And 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 you're right, Kate Pearson totally makes this song. So I couldn't think of another vocalist who could have pulled this off. Maybe Cindy Wilson could have, right? But but yeah. uh you know, I was looking to see if there was a B-52s cover with Fred Snyder on this. Oh, that'd be interesting. Couldn't find it. Now, if there is, if someone can find it, let me know. Because to me, it actually does scream more like a B-52 song in a lot of ways. It does. Um, In that, 
what I love what what I love about the B-52s, or I think a lot of people love about the B-52s, is they're unashamedly poppy. You know, it's like they're super poppy and like borderline cheesy, but that's like their thing, and they embrace that. Whereas I think with Stipe, he he was he was trying to be like, oh, but I'm supposed to be this like alt underground guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he didn't. So, but it, I love this. I love yeah, her in this. They song. had they, this song like, and you if you read some of the reviews of the album, they talk about this song was was the one that kind of REM crossed that bridge into pop, and then they couldn't get out of it after that. Um, really cool though. There's a really um a third vocalist, uh, Mike Mills, was the uh, bass player. Had yes. a couple of yep, yep, uh, yep. background vocals, which are which are pretty cool, and they kind of uh they kind of balance Stipe out. And the other thing I'll say is I'll, I'll probably put this in the notes as well. There's there's some cool outtakes of them rehearsing this song. Oh, that'd be great uh, together for the video. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. But yeah, to me, this was I I, I love this song. Um, to, I, I think it's a it's just a great song. Like I said once they crossed that bridge, uh, they never really crossed back. No, uh, you know, and, they, I, and I think think then I think Stipe for a little while, and he's talked to Tom York about this. Because similar to like what happens with this record is Stipe sort of gets like this kind of existential crisis around, well, what's the band? Are we pop now? Or, you know, I don't want to be pop. And he sort of gets this crisis around what R.E.M. is supposed to be. And he gets very self-serious. And Tom York went through the same thing with OK Computer. Like, yeah. are we too big now? Are we corporate now? And Stipe kind of talked him down because he said, well, I kind of went through that, too. And you got to get yeah. over yourself. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I so, yeah, he kind of I, I mean, and this was an interview from a while ago, so I don't know if he's turned it around on the song or not, but it's it's good. It's great. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, automatically people followed it up and, you know, he had songs like Everybody Hurts, which I think he tried to get. Well, yeah, he's like, that. I'm done with that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know. Yeah. Um, agree Kate with you Pearson on that. So good. Kate Pearson but uh, good. if Kate Pearson, uh, who is. I believe Kate's in her mid seventies now. She's putting out music still. She just put out a she record still looks great. for she Halloween. She still looks great. She still looks great. Yeah, they had a reunion not so long ago. I think the B fifty twos. I uh, I really do like the B fifty twos. They have a great catalog. Uh, to me, Rock Lobster uh, is a great. Oh, Rock Lobster, uh, great. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, to me, but that's like, what they mean. Like, like. Stipe does shiny happy people and he feels embarrassed about it. They do rock lobster and they're like, well, yeah, like they love it. That's, I think that's the difference is they really embrace that. Whereas he sees it more as like embarrassing for whatever. Yeah. Reason. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, but I think when they were selecting a vocalist, oh, uh, they couldn't have done that. They, that they was couldn't have picked anyone else. I, I don't know anyone else. Like maybe Cindy, Cindy, uh, maybe Cindy, maybe, was, but, but not, with, no, the, the thing what Kate does is she just lifts the whole song up. Yeah. Like she just, yeah. You know, like, cause I think if it, if they didn't have that, it was just stiping everybody. Like it'd just be a bit too dour. Yeah. For such a happy song, you know, yeah. but, uh, final thoughts here, Coop. You know, this was a great exercise. I think we can, like I said, even though I had, like I said, I cheated on one, right. But it was <laughs> because I misheard the lyric, right. When I, <laughs> but, um, but in general, um, I think it was a great exercise, and that shows how challenging it was. Me kind of cheating on one. I think we could easily do another show with this, by the way. Oh yeah. And then I was telling you, I think there's some things that we can do 
like we could possibly do last we talked about maybe challenge ourselves to see if we could find the in the last at the end of the song. What if they've done that? That's gonna be hard. Or not using the title of the song, not in the song at all. Yes. So I think there's a lot of things in here. I think the other thing that's really good about this, Dave, is it it does. If you want to pay a little more attention to lyrics, this is a great exercise um, because you could you could see it. OK, is that lyric a is it kind of gimmicky to get you into the song or is it really setting the tone? Is the is the lyrics of the song kind of supporting that first line? Uh, mm. Is it, wor- you know, is it worthy of being that it brings the question of it? Uh, how is it used in a chorus? How is it used in the start of the verses? So it, it, this is a good exercise to go through if you kind of really want to get into the lyrics of a song here, which mm. I don't know if we've done too many lyrical type of songs, but but this no. one is much more of a lyrical exercise you're going to go through. Yeah, we should uh, we should look into that. And before and people are all shouting at their radios or whatever about not including the one song picked, that we, I had. We only, could, we only could pick ten songs. Yeah. But I was going to do it. It was uh, uh, Frank Sinatra. I thought about it. Come too. fly with me. Yeah. But we, thought, we do Frank a lot. We do Frank so a I lot. To... I, um, you know, surprisingly, this was a tougher <laughs> exercise to do it in excess. And I didn't put a lot into it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I almost had Suicide Blonde. Suicide Blonde was the one that came to mind. But they had a lot of other, like, rando lyrics beforehand. I'm like, do those count or not? And. So that was hard, but and then the beat we didn't. I didn't do the Beatles because yeah, yesterday it was. You can yeah. have your whole song list be the Beatles. Yeah, they do it a lot. Yesterday, Michelle. I mean, I thought yesterday, Michelle. Blackbird. Yeah, yeah, Blackbird. Um, Eleanor Rigby, I think too. Eleanor Rigby. Uh, she loves you. I mean, you could do the. Coop and I could have just done the Beatles, so we could have done a Beatles list very easy with that. Uh, so we kind of avoided that. I didn't go down the uh, Stones route either. I just didn't really go down that route because we do a lot of Stones. I looked at it a little bit, and I was like, mm, we do the Stones a lot. Start Me Up would have been the one that came to mind with that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, we get, but hey, we can always do it again. Ex- exactly. Like I said, we have some offshoots. I, it was, this was a fun exercise. Matt, thanks for bringing that idea to us. I'm curious. Oh. Uh, I know Matt does listen to the show. He usually catches the replay, so I'm sure we'll get some feedback from Matt on that. I got to uh, try. Yeah. I gotta look into that last line thing. That last line thing would be a real challenge. I think it could be done. Be, I think we can come up with ten challenge. songs each. I think we can come I think up with so. ten. that would be we listen a lot of time. music. Yeah, yeah. That's not. That's one we definitely would have to plan for. Uh, you know, and if we come up with enough and we think it's a worthy show, we should do it. I gotta find that. I'll, I'll look into that tonight, and I'll find fifty or something. Yeah. I mean, because because here's the thing. Here's how it would work, right? But then I want to get away from, like. If the chorus finishes the song, oh, I hear what you're saying. But I think it would be more challenging if it's not quite the chorus. If that makes sense, so I think I we we, we can obviously do some low hanging fruit with the chorus. But I think there's like sometimes when it's the chorus, right? It's it's. I think it has to be the last ver. It has to be the last phrase. You know, mm. so 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 yeah. I think it could be done. I think it'll be done. It would be interesting to see what we come up with. I'll look into that today. Um, how's the cigar coop? Oh, this is fantastic. This is aged really well. Uh, this is a AJ Fernandez quintessential San Andreas blend. Uh, you can get a lot of those earthy mineral flavors, a little bit of that chocolate coffee note in there. Uh, 
it you know surprisingly this is I've had this in the humidor for about four years. It's still that medium plus. Uh, it hasn't mm. lost it hasn't lost any strength or body with this, which I'm surprised about. Um, you know, I put this about an eighty nine this cigar, which is it's a good cigar, okay. it's an above average cigar. Um, is it my favorite Altinus cigar? No, I know Barrel loves it, but it's, it's. I tell you what, this stood up very well to age. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Mm. Now, I want to get your, I want to yes. get, I want to get your feedback. Then I'm going to give you my feedback on that cigar. I okay. I still got a bunch of cigar left, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I okay. Thinking in my head, I think. Other than the Candela, the Fomorian. This might be my favorite Robocraft cigar, Coop. Wow. I love this cigar. It's now it's kind of running out of steam about here. I have to admit. Yes. 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 Uh, it's it's running out of gas. But it had it had the strength. It had this like pepper and then it had this like citrus thing going. Its construction was amazing. I'm like, there's a lot going on in this cigar. Um, and yeah, I love it. I think unlike, well, I mean, I'd have to have Aquitaines and stuff. To, I think the one, the one note I would have is this last third here. It's sort of running out. There's sort of not a lot here, but, uh, the first, uh, it was, like I said, those first couple, I'm like, my God, <laughs> that's so good. So I smoked this cigar when I was on the Texas road trip in my hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked some up at Blue Smoke of Dallas with Jay Davis. Skipper gave me a sample. I just didn't take that one with me. I still have the sample he gave me. Um, but I picked it up. Um, so it ran out of gas. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question before I give you. Uh, so this has a Sumatra wrapper. The Volstead has a Sumatra wrapper. Which is the better cigar? Now the Volstead, I have. Oh, that's where I go. To me, the Volstead's the better cigar. I had the Volstead in the four and a half by sixty, which yep. I think I think is his best size. It's a good size. I've smoked that size since you did it. By the way, yes, it's so good. All right, yeah, it's so good. I'm so yeah. Here, here's where I'm going with this. Those first uh, two thirds were so good. I expected something radically different from both Ernesto and Skip with this cigar. To me, mm-hmm. the beginning of this had too much of an Ernesto feel to it. Okay. And then, and then it ran out of gas. Now, I've only smoked it once, so I want to be fair to it. I, I, My first impression of the Volstead was better. Mm. Uh, not a bad cigar, but it runs out of gas. This cigar just ran out of gas in the second half. Mm, I can see that. But it was right good. Now, I could see you liking the first. Now, the first third, this is what I'll say. It wasn't bad. It was good. Ernesto makes a good blend. I, I didn't feel the skip influence in this blend, to be honest with you. Right. I think I, I feel it in the strength. The, yeah, but I, I've seen I Ernesto. I, I know Ernesto could do a strong cigar, but yeah, yeah I would say that yeah, that's fair. It's a stronger. I don't think Ernesto's done a Sumatra with this much strength. I, I, I That's correct. I'm going to give you that. I mean, I might have to. Smoke the Volstead. I mean, I know I have to smoke it again. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I might have to have it again just to compare. But those first two thirds were so good. I am really surprised I haven't seen a lot of reviews of this cigar yet. Oh, that's true. I have now, not either. Now, this will be, this will be, I'm finishing up the coop 
year at the end it's of the month. It's been out for a bit too. Yeah, it's it, it's it came out after the show. That's why it's not going to. So I'm going to pay more attention to it once the coop year is over. Um, and then it's going to go to a, a a more rigorous review cycle at that point. So I'm just you know I'm um uh it's got to go to a fair review on that too. You know, smoking in my hotel room is it's still I smoked it. I paid attention to it, but I'm still surprised I haven't seen a lot of reviews of this cigar. I think once given you hit the that hype final, with the cigar, yeah. I think the first two thirds live up to the hype, and the first two thirds are really good. Uh, I think where I'm at now, it's still good and it's strong, but like there's not a whole lot of complexity going on. Yeah, and the flavor it, notes I'm getting aren't like the best. Um, but it was it was really good. So yeah, so when I said that this was more of an Ernesto cigar, I got to be fair to Skip here. He's working with completely different tobaccos that he's never worked with before, right? So that's a little bit unfair for me to like ding that. But I don't know. I was just maybe it was just I was so when you mentioned the strength piece, I, I'll say that 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 I can see where this went with. That's a fair comment with that. Construction's amazing. Yeah, I mean Ernesto's construction is you know, and Skipper's oh you know, look, uh, Nika Sueño's construction's always been pretty solid too. Mm. Uh I saw he was complaining about uh, a halfway review. Uh, it doesn't age quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I, he was complaining I, about curious, a halfway but, review. Yeah, yeah. The, but that was on the Volstead, I think it was, not the Quinconjera. Volstead's a good cigar, man. Volstead's a good cigar. It's a, it's not your typical Sumatra. And I'm not a big Sumatra guy. It's probably my least favorite rapper. I would love – I mean, I know you're saying it's like a one-off. It'd be interesting to have this in a four four and a half by 60. It'd be interesting to see would Skip would Skip and this would be a question when we have Skip on, would he ever consider like trying to source those tobaccos and do it at Nikas? I don't know if Ernesto will do another run for him because he's busy, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know if Skip wants to do another run of it, right? But I would be curious if Skip would try to recreate that brunt, get the tobaccos and do it at Nicosueno. I I'd be really curious for him to and maybe that's something he's thinking of doing. And that can always be the emphasis of some other project too. You know, he, he gets the other tobaccos, then he messes with it, and then it becomes something else, right? But I would mm. be curious to see because I think I think there's enough there um to certainly go by with that. Mm. You know what cigar I've had a lot of lately? That I ordered more and I can't get enough, which leads into our new music forty five. I don't know. Is that Postania Connecticut Toro, man? Oh my God! The, the whole Coop team, except for so me, is on board good. with that cigar. I'm it's not so against good. it, right? But 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 Bear and Ben love that cigar. Oh my God! Bear and Ben are in love with, and you guys, you three are really. I mean, <laughs> I I, I think that's that going to be on all on all those guys' lists. I mean, oh. uh, because I man. go back again, I like Intemperance EC better. That's why okay. I kind of kept going back. But well, yeah, yeah. But 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 yeah no I mean uh it's doing well that cigar for them. Oh boy, it is. And in the Toro, I have to specify it for me. It's the Toro is just out of this world. Yeah. I I only. What size did I give you from? I that, gave, it was a Toro was one, I think from yeah. from Pur Puro. Yeah, Sabor, I, I smoked the Puro. yeah I smoked that one down at Puro Sabor. Yeah, I thought it was the Toro, and then you smoked the Corona Gorda. Yes. Yeah. God, the to oh jeez, um, it's I dream about that cigar. It's so good. Yeah, uh, and I'm not a big Connecticut guy. No, you're not. Just, you're not. Ooh. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that leads us into New Music 45, which is uh, Cigar Hustler, my friend. Yeah, um, uh, sponsored by uh, Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, they have a great uh, store, great retail store to go in, great humidor, great lounge, great customer service. Um, can't ask for anything more with that. Uh, we just mentioned they have their brand Postani, uh, but they have plenty of other cigars in there. Good mix of the boutiques and some of the tried and trues in there. Um, if you're listening to this show, um, Eric Espinosa and Jack Tarano were doing an event up there uh, this past right. Friday. This will air the following Monday. So they, they've done an event there on the, this, you know, the Friday before the show airs. So, um, but yeah, um, and if you can't get down to their store, get on their mailing list, follow them on social media mm-hmm. because that's where a lot of the limiteds come in. They they are they are now carrying the uh the golden NFT cigar by LaFleur. Are they? Yeah, okay. they are. They're not cheap. <laughs> They're not oh, cheap. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's way too expensive. But you know what? It's it's hey, that's a great if you want to get that cigar, and that's not a cheap cigar anywhere, right? So I'm not criticizing uh I'm not criticizing uh, Cigar Hustler, but if you want to get that cigar, they, they are getting, it seems like they've gotten a couple of allotments in it already. Um, so, yeah, you know, definitely check them out on that. And, of course, uh, you know, follow that podcast, the A Cigar Hustler podcast. I'm behind mm-hmm. on that show, by the way. I haven't, I've been way behind, mm-hmm. uh, which they're self-proclaimed the number one podcast, uh, according to Mike Palmer. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, no, definitely uh... check it out. But, but, uh, what do we got for new music this week, Dave? New music. This goes out to Skip Drake dropped a new album. Yeah, with Bad Bunny. Yeah, uh, this is a song Bad Bunny. Drake sort of hit and miss for me. I really like this song, though. I have a review of the song coming up on the site soon. It's uh, Drake featuring Bad Bunny. The track is called Gently. Um, it's off his new record. Um, that dro- I mean, he just seems to be dropping records without any fanfare, yeah. it seems. Uh, but I love I love this I love this track with Bad Bunny. So check that out, especially if you're a Drake fan. Yep, you will like it. And the mu- the Christmas music is starting, Coop. It's starting earlier this year. Christmas music is upon us, and we got a song from Cher. Yeah, who I don't think has put out a studio track in, in a, a while. while. Yeah, yeah. She has a song. DJ play a Christmas song. So it's great to have new music from Cher. I'm wondering if this means she's putting out a Christmas record. I don't know. Or what this is hinting at. I don't know. Um, Good question on that one. I wonder if this is hinting at something bigger or if she's just putting out a single or what's going on. It wouldn't surprise. I'm actually trying to. I should have actually looked that up. Uh, she hasn't put out like studio music in forever. No, I mean, she's up there, though, too. Uh, is uh. Yeah, no, there is a Christmas album coming. Oh, so she go. does have it. Rolling Stone magazine says she has a Christmas album coming. Well, this must be the lead single off it then. Yeah, and it's gonna have a lot of guest appearances mm. on there. Uh, I'll be, I'll check it out. Yeah, share, man. It's classic share. She's got a bit of you know, auto tune going on and her classic vibe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Dave, it's probably like by the end of November, we're gonna have to drop the Christmas uh, show so people have it to we listen will. to. So, yeah, I yeah. know we do it early, but the reason we do it early is so you can follow along during the Christmas season. So. Yeah, so you can pop it on. Yeah. Um, I'm a Macology homework coop because Cher's out. We're going back in Cher's catalog to Heart of Stone. Yes. Which has a song, which has a song that suits today's theme. That's yeah. the classic If I Could Turn Back Time. 
which is the title and the first lyric of the song. And I think we all remember Coop where we were. We saw that music video of her on the battleship. Yes, I think we I think did. We, <laughs> I think we all remember where we were because that yeah. is fire. Yeah, that was when like that was Cher kind of was going like he. It was this was like the late nineties or eighties, and she had had that mo- run of movies she was doing, which yes. is of Eastwick, Moonstruck. Um, mm-hmm. You know, though she had those, and then she kind of went back. Um, she went back and did. Um, you know, she started getting back in the and uh, the album. So and and I love the duet on this one. Uh, after all, with Peter Cetera. Oh yeah, great duet. Yeah. yeah. And you could argue that uh, Cher will change the face of hip hop when she uses auto tune. Yes, very true. Um, when she uses that, then it's like, oh, and then a lot of the people use it. So, yeah, good on your share. Yeah, no, it's a good album. Um, there's a lot of good songwriting on that album too. Bon Jovi, Desmond Child, Michael Bolton, um, Jonathan Kane from Journey has a has a track on there that he wrote with Bolton uh, called Starting Over. It's a good album, uh, for sure. It's definitely one worth checking out. Like, uh, just uh, of course, Diane Warren, who's one of the great songwriters, is is on there as well. So. Um, you know, I think I think even like Vicky Sue Robinson's on this album. There's a lot, a lot of. There's lot a of, lot going on in this. Yeah, yeah. It 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 was a very good album. Um, I was a little, you know, again, it just was like around. I would have given this album over Nick Nick uh, Nick a time, which because I think this would have mm. been Grammy eligible. <laughs> yeah. Favorite share song though is Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves is my oh, favorite share song. That's great. Uh, uh, and I got you, babe. With Sunny is cool. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I got love some share. Yep. yep. Uh, that's all I got, Coop. Yeah, that's all I got too. So this was a fun show again. Thanks to Matt Ty uh for this concept here. Uh, it was good to kind of catch up um on some stuff. Definitely stay tuned to our social media. We'll announce what the next show is going to be and when that's going to be. Uh, like I said, we're getting towards the end of the year. I know we're going to have things like uh the inductions for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The uh. I don't know if we're going to do a whole show on it, but when we'll talk about it, we're going to do obviously mm. a Christmas, uh, annual Christmas show, year end show. Yes. Uh, we kind of missed a bunch of that last year because you had the trip. So I think we'll have, we'll have mm. an anniversary show, four year anniversaries coming up. So there's a lot coming up on Jukebox close out 2023. And Grammys, of course, we're, we're going to beat the Grammys up, I know, uh, when they do the nomination. Yeah. So stay tuned on all that. Yeah. We have a lot coming up. But, oh, right. Yeah. Send us out, my friend. All right. So that's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 111 into the annals of history for this mid-October edition. Uh, thanks to our audience again. And we'll see you on the B-side. Take care, everybody. <laughs>